Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Electric Leftovers. My name is Jason. This is episode 243. Pretty sure. How you doing today? Has it been a fine and dandy day for you? Well, that's just great. It's really good. Over in the forums, we're just getting to it. Uh, Mega Man and Bass, or Rockman and Forte, is our most recent um, soundtrack. We also have Firepower 2000, Incantation, and Miss Pac-Man are the most recent 365 days of the Super Nintendo episode. And since last we spoke, we've got more Dragon Warrior 7 from me and Symphony of the Night from Jade. He went and streamed the whole thing. So you can watch it. It's pretty all right. Um, anything else? Nope. We got some new stuff coming up next week for everybody's Halloween-y kind of stuff. Um, I know <coughs> Jade kind of was looking for something to do. I've got something to do. I think Scarlet's working on something. And, uh, Coolio is there in the midst of, uh, Trudeau Fest, uh, possibly minority liberal government in Canada. So, great job up there, you guys. Uh, helping, and France too, I suppose. Helping to stem the tide a bit of uh, right-wing nationalism and fascism the world over. All comes down to Canada and France. So, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, let's, let's move on. It's going to be a weird show. I can just tell.
A century of Transylvanian tranquility is about to come to a shocking end. Once again, the mortifying screams of helpless villagers shake the ground as they huddle against new nightmarish horrors unleashed by the Duke of Darkness, Count Dracula. Was he a count or a duke? And this time, he has a tombstone with your name on it, Simon Belmont. You must descend into the castle of the undead and its gruesome ground accompanied by the most chilling sound effects to ever tingle your spine. Inside a freshly dug 11 levels maze features the treacherous terrace of terror, the dangerous rotating dungeon, the sunken ruins of lost spirits, torture chambers, and creature-filled caves. Use your whip like a grappling hook and swing past hundreds of traps and a host of ghost freaks, living corpses, and hidden goblins. All while dodging or destroying the unpredictable spitting lizards, carnivorous coffins, and more. Find the concealed weapons needed to defeat everything from eerie phantoms to haunted furniture. Then prepare to find yourself face to face with hideous torments like the Tongue Lasher, the Darkest Knight, the Bonafide Horseman, and the Granite Crusher. When your nerves get shot, use your password and take a breather. But forge on, Simon Belmont, because if you thought Dracula was down for the count, He's only just begun to fight. That was a novel called Super Castlevania IV, written by Mr. Konami, uh, published by Mr. Konami, released in 1991. Wow, that was a long back of the box. Yes, yeah, Super Castlevania IV, just in time for spooky old Halloween time. Imagine that. Uh, this was a launch title, even, for the Super Nintendo, and you know what? Throughout the life of the Super Nintendo, this has maintained its status as a really, really good game. This is not the kind of Castlevania I enjoy most. I like the more explorey kind of things and the platformy kind of things, but this one, it's up there. It might be one of my favorite of this type. I don't really love three. One is great, but there aren't many others. Uh, there's uh, bloodlines and stuff like that. But this one, for me, does the job. I Let's Played it in 10 episodes, Jade did it in 5. Not only did he do much better, he did much better in much shorter time, and you learn a lot more. So, I take that, I suppose. Uh, graphics, by the way, fantastic. And the music, oh man, it's hard to find a better Castlevania soundtrack.
Well, let's see what we got for reviews today. Well, a lot of people like this game, including Timmy Big Hands. Dark Saiyan liked it so much he reviewed it twice. Two years apart, even. Probably just forgot he did it. Uh, any, any people, any regulars? Cap Gamer. Yeah. Laughing Hyena Velux. And Timmy Big. Oh, there we go. We'll do that one. I kind of feel like we should do Timmy Big Hands just because of the name Timmy Big Hands, but Timmy Big Hands gave it a really good review, and we want somebody to give it a really bad review. Unfortunately, there aren't any. So we'll try that one. First, uh, well, this one. Even better than the first one. A Super C review by Walker Bo Olmsford. By the way, this game came out one year before Super Castlevania 4, which we did in the archives and which we'll review next time. Alright, so Contra was good with good control, good music, and a good story. Then how does this second game fare? Excellently! Read on and I will explain what the big deal is. Oh, I was gonna stop at excellence. Excellently. Thanks for telling me to continue. Control 10 out of 10. The controls were about as simple as they could be. Move with the D-pad, jump with A, fire with B, and well, that's it. Unless you can't pausing with start and toggling between one and two players with select. I had some trouble with the controls, but I think that may have been because my controllers were funky. They are no longer funky. They have lost the funk. Audio 10 out of 10. I believe you'll recognize a lot of these sound effects. They're recycled from the original game. Uh, spoiler alert, me talking. Konami does that a lot. A lot of the same uh, explosions and things like that. And the sound effects appear across games. The music isn't, though, except for the boss victory theme. And that's not even exactly the same as it was in the original. The other music is catchy, too. My favorite are the two boss themes and the mini boss theme. We did not hear those last time. Uh, the ending theme is also good. And I like the little tune that plays after you destroy the last boss. Of the stage themes, my favorites are stages 2, 6, and 8. I like the others, too, but those three are my favorite. And the trademark chime that seems to appear in most Konami games as the pause game sound is here in all its crystal clarity. Kind of like the sound most Mario games make when you pause them. Players of Mario and Konami games will most likely understand what I mean here. I've never been very good at actually describing sound effects. Suffice it to say, they're good, and you'll recognize a few from other Konami games. I have never had anybody take time in a review to tell us that it's the pause sound, guys. Story 10 out of 10. After defeating Red Falcon in the original Contra, your United States Army commandos decided it was time for some R&R. They weren't going to get much rest, though, for Red Falcon didn't tuck his tail between his legs and run off. He did run off, but only to get some reinforcements, and this he has done. He has at his disposal the demented alien Jagger Freud from the Black Hole Galaxy, as well as many other new weapons. Only the strong survive here, so yeah, better hope you're ready. How does Jagger Freud from the Black Hole Galaxy end up an alien name along with Red Falcon? Where are they speaking English in Alien Worlds? Overall, 10 out of 10. This is another great game, Konami being known for producing great games. The only problem is that this game doesn't bring back the 30 life code found in so many other Konami games. All you can have are 10 extra lives and a sound test, which I like. If you can find this game, give it a try. I won't guarantee you'll like it, but the only way to know for sure is to try it. Thanks, Walker. Now. Oh, I did not realize the uh, name of the person doing this. Horror Spooky. Horror Spooky. 
Harder than Contra, but not as fun. The original Contra is one of my favorite NES and co-op games of all time. Despite its blistering difficulty, the game is satisfying in a way that few games manage to be, and it is one of the most iconic titles from the era. Even though I've played an absurd amount of video games over the years, I wasn't even aware that there was another NES Contra game in the form of Super C, and while it is a decent game, it definitely doesn't live up to the legacy of the original. The first thing I noticed about Super C is its superior graphics compared to the original game. All things considered, the first Contra has pretty weak visuals even for the NES. Super C has a lot more detail in the environments and the characters. The screen can get pretty busy with minimal slowdown as well, which is pretty impressive for an NES game. The game plays just like the original Contra, more or less. Players collect power-ups, battle enemies, and try their best to survive. Death is imminent at all times in Super C, as the player characters can still die in a single hit. That being said, Super C has some new features not found in the original game. Players are able to upgrade their weapons and additional level. The jumping mechanics have been reworked a bit, and there are new power-ups to utilize as well. Unfortunately, Super C also acts as some of my favorite elements of the original. The first Contra featured really cool stages that had a 3D style effect, but those are not present in Super C. There are still special stages that ditch the traditional side-scrolling favor style, excuse me, in favor of a top-down view, but these lack of the visual punch. These yeah, but these lack of the visual punch of the unique levels from the original Contra. I thought I screwed up. That one was him. The original Contra barely had a story, and that tradition is continued in Super C. Basically, the game is just a big excuse for two characters in the first Contra to kill a bunch of aliens, and that's really all that players need to know. Back in the NES days, competent stories were very few and far between, but what Super C brings to the table is at least functional. This guy, horror spooky, he's off on a couple points. The game is technically very short, but the difficulty level is so ridiculous that players shouldn't expect to beat it without a lot of dedication. Cheat code should also be considered for anyone that wants to stand to stand a fighting chance against the relentless, endlessly spawning enemies. The high difficulty can make this game particularly frustrating, and I know that I will definitely not spend as much time with Super C as I have the original game. Overall, Super C is an improvement over the first game than, than the original in multiple ways. Hold on. Overall, Super C is an improvement over the first game than the original in multiple ways. Ah, so Super C is more an improvement over the first game than the original was over the first game. Got it. However, it's also more frustrating and ditched some of the best bits from the original Contra. By itself, it's a fine action game for the NES, but compared to the original Contra, it's hard not to be a little disappointed by Super C. Or Spooky gave it a three and a half. So... Here's something, like, I'd never played a whole lot of Contra. Never really did until I sat down and played, like, five of the games in one afternoon. And I'm not very good at it, but... The original Contra is a challenging game, but it is not as... It's not blisteringly difficult, like the horror spooky here says. It's hard, but it's... I mean, everybody who talks about the original Contra makes it sound like it's this insurmountable thing that you've got to train and practice for hours and days and weeks and months to beat and just, you just don't. It is a hard game. It is not impossible. It is not the hardest game ever. It's just a good challenging platformer. Super C is the same way. Um, what was it? Uh, as to competent stories were few and far between, I don't know about that either. A lot of NES games had, I mean, they're not complex stories, we're not getting into, you know, well, I shouldn't say that, 
but I'm, I'm saying, you know, we're not getting into like John Macare level uh, espionage and intrigue, but it's, I mean, there's, there's some stories that are pretty good. A lot of them are just aliens, blow them up. They're different from us. We must practice xenophobia. Um, or, or, you know, save the princess or throw newspapers or whatever. But not, I mean, not all NES games had terrible stories. Not all NES games had great stories. Uh, but the idea that competent stories were few and far between, um, just in terms of the library that NES games had, that's a bit of a stretch. You know, I'm finally starting to get sick, and it's been a struggle to get through this week's episode. It's been short, but at the same time, it's it's been not so short. Our lead story this week, Creme de la Weird. Near closing time, October 13th, in a pub in Ruiner World, Ruiner World. Yeah, Ruiner World, Netherlands, Ruiner Wald. Man, I can't read, can't see. Can't breathe. Who knows? Anyway, Ruiner World, we're saying, in the Netherlands, a completely confused and unkempt 25-year-old man appeared with a strange story to tell. Pub owners Chris Westerbeek told Dutch media the young man ordered five beers and said he was the oldest of six siblings and wanted to end the way they were living, according to the New York Times. The man had walked to the pub from a farm outside town where police found five adult siblings, the youngest of whom was 18, and they'd been living in a secret basement 
accessed by a hidden door behind a cupboard for nine years. They were apparently waiting for the end of time, police said, and the younger siblings were unaware that there were other humans outside the basement. The family, including the father who also lived on the farm, survived on a large garden and a few animals. NL Times reported that police arrested a 58-year-old Austrian man believed to a tenant, I think believed to be a tenant of the farm, and identified only as Joseph B. Initially, uh, for refusing to cooperate with the investigation, and later charged him with holding the family against their will. It was unclear where the mother is. At press time, the story was still unfolding. Wow. That's, uh... What was that? 10 Cloverfield Lane. Crap, right there. Oh, John Goodman. What are we going to do with you? I'd walk a mile or 350. Tommy Lee Jenkins. <gasps> Almost. So close to Leroy. 32 recently moved away from Oshkosh, Wisconsin to Whitestone, Indiana. But on October 1st, he struck up an online relationship with Kylie, a supposed 14-year-old girl in Nina, Wisconsin, according to the Justice Department. Oh, well, they're involved. You know it's legit. As their correspondence progressed, he requested sexually explicit photos of Kylie and made plans to engage in sexual behavior, court documents said. But when Kylie refused to come to Indiana, Jenkins set out towards Nina on foot. Uh, the Oshkosh Northwestern reported that waiting for him at the end of his 371-mile trek were Winnebago County Sheriff's deputies, one of whom was Kylie, and FBI agents who arrested him for using a computer to attempt to persuade, induce, or entice a minor to engage in unlawful sexual activity. Jenkins faced other child sexual assault charges in 2011 and 2012 and had been sentenced to probation. Wow. Okay, then. That's... I mean... You can be dedicated to a bad cause, right? Ironies. While patrolling a bath and body work store in Waukesha, Wisconsin, an unnamed security guard let the boredom get to him. Around 2 a.m. on October 11th, he slipped his handcuffs on, then realized he'd left the keys at home. Forced to call police, who responded and freed him from his restraints, the board guard then hid the cuffs from himself so he wouldn't be tempted to put them on again. According to WDJT, he told police it wasn't the first time he'd handcuffed himself without having the keys. Didn't tell us how many, though. Locksmiths at the Timpson shop in Edinburgh, Scotland, drew a crowd and withstood some ribbing after they locked themselves out of their store on October 14th, according to the Scottish Sun. Fortunately, one of the locksmiths had a toolbox with him, and he was able to legally break back into the shop. Oh, look at you guys. Sweet revenge! During the summer of... What is with all the names? During the summer of 2018, someone robbed 61-year-old Akio Hattori of Tokyo, Japan on, of his bicycle saddle. He was so angered by the theft, he told police, that he decided to become a serial thief himself until he was caught on surveillance video on August 29th and later arrested. Police searching his home say they found 159 bicycle seats. I started stealing out of revenge, Hattori told police, according to Kyoto News. I wanted others to know the feeling. You, sir, are going to be a DC villain someday. You're going to be in a gritty remake of something that didn't need a gritty remake. Ew! Halloween came a little early to Nick Lestina's homes in Bagley, Iowa. The Lestinians, the Lestinans, the Lestinas? I don't know. Have lived next door to Dolls Custom Meat Locker. 
Oh boy, for 10 years without incident. But early in October, they discovered almost five inches of animal blood, fat, and bones had flooded their basement. Lestina said it would have risen higher if not for a sump pump. He approached the meat locker next door for help, but he told WHO-TV, they say it's not their fault and told me good luck. Lestina reached out to the Iowa Department of Natural Resources, which investigated and found that the business had slaughtered hogs and cattle on October 3rd and flushed fluids down the floor drain, which is probably connected with the Lestina's drain. The family of seven has had to move out of the home while trying to resolve the cleanup issue. No one wants to see that, smell that, Lestina said. I wouldn't want that for anybody. Here's a little story you maybe don't know about Jason. I had a job cleaning up a slaughterhouse, and yeah, there's a blood, fat, bones, feet, eyes, teeth, you name it. And what do they want us to do? Well, if it's too big to go down the drain, they say put it in a garbage bag. If it can go down the drain, put it down the drain. Uh, which meant that most times the uh, drains would back up. Now, we weren't in a residential zone, which it kind of sounds like this may have been, but yeah, so been there, been there. I've been elbow deep in the drain trying to figure out why it wasn't draining. So there you go. Stories of awesome. It was W.C. Fields who said, never work with animals or children. Russian President Vladimir Putin was reminded of that warning on October 14th as he visited King Salman of Saudi Arabia in Riyadh. The Daily Mail reported that Putin brought along a grafalcon named Alpha for the king, and as everyone admired the bird during the ceremonial exchange of gifts, it chose that moment to take aim on the plush royal carpet and, shall we say, leave its mark. Hunting with birds of prey is one of the favorite pastimes of Saudi royalty, and the birds are highly prized. Of the people, dressage, 21st century religion, hoping to attract tech-savvy young Catholics, that's even worse, to traditional rituals, the Vatican has released the e-rosary. Oh, I've heard of this. A wearable device connected to an app available for $110, reported Engadget. Worn as a bracelet, the device is activated by making the sign of the cross and features 10 beads and a data-storing smart cross, which will help the devout pray a standard rosary. Um, a contemplative, contemplative, excuse me, rosary or a thematic rosary and keeps track of each rosary prayed. The app also downloads health information from the bracelet. Coming up next, I, Jesus. Police report Anna Lindo, 34, of Bloomfield, Connecticut, was arraigned in Hartford Superior Court on October 15th on charges that she bit off her ex-partner's finger and then bragged about it on Facebook, posting a video of the severed finger. Her victim told police on October 13th he'd been trying to ward her off as she attacked him with a brick when she took a bite from his right middle finger. Lindo's mother found the finger after police had taken her into custody, but it was too late to reattach it, reported the Connecticut Post. Lindo was charged with first-degree assault and disorderly conduct. I will see your brick and raise you a finger. In El Dorado Hills... California, that is. Homeowner Matthew Estrich woke up late on October 12th, saw a sensor light on next to his garage, and went downstairs to investigate. When he heard rumbling, he realized there was an intruder and called 911. Just then, his sister-in-law, who also lives in the home, called to say she just pulled into the garage and saw a man running away, quote, wearing just a bra and panties, KXTV reported. The intruder was later identified as Sean McGuire, a 37-year-old transient who was taken into custody and charged with burglary, indecent exposure, and trespassing. Sorry, Sean. Is that indecent exposure? 
Wouldn't it be worse if he wasn't wearing a bra and panties? Just throwing that out there. Ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for this week's edition of Electric Leftovers. I want to thank you very much for hanging out and listening. I just realized I don't have a title for this one. Crap. I have to come up with something quick. Oh, well. It'll work out. Always does. Thanks for listening. Uh, of course, I do appreciate you doing so. If you would like to check out video excuse me, of any of the games that we have talked about here on the show... Uh, you can do so at lowbiasgaming.net. You can go lowbiasgaming.net slash electric leftovers if you would like to subscribe to the show. And if you would like to support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash Jason Screw Machine. And stuff is there for that. Uh, what else can I tell you? Um, old episodes show up on YouTube. If you don't want to subscribe via any podcast app of your choice, you can catch episodes a week late on YouTube if you visit Jason's Groove Machine where you can also get the soundtracks and all the other stuff that we talk about as well. So that's going to do it for us this week. I'm going to go and get this episode put together and then who the heck knows from there. Thanks for listening. See you later.
Brought to you by... Electric Leftovers is a low-bias gaming production. Low-bias gaming. We play games.